At this particular moment in our history, we are overwhelmed. For many of us, this feeling is deeper and broader than we have previously experienced. It leaves us with anxiety, fear, and uncertainty. Many of the people, positions, and institutions that we had previously leaned on for relief, clarity, and hope have been co-opted and compromised. In some respects, it feels like being a kite in the midst of a hurricane. When pushed as we are, sometimes the most important thing we can do is breathe. It may seem overly simplistic, but it matters. The act of stopping, pausing, taking control over your response to the maelstrom has great value. Breathe in deeply. Breathe out slowly. Pause. Settle. Reorient yourself. Many centuries ago, the desert mothers and fathers who separated themselves from the rat race in order to connect more deeply with God have shown us the way. Breathing is more than a biological function, it is also a spiritual function. Breathing, meditation, reflection, centering, and mindfulness are sibling practices that enable us to pause and reconnect to the ground and source of our being. Freed, if even for a brief time, from the chaos that plagues us, we become better able to see the world as God sees it. We are better able to orient ourselves to a direction and course that leads us more deeply into life-giving relationships with God and with one another. We are better able to see what it means to, to see the cross as a gateway to life that can become a means of grace through which God will restore the world. Thank you for visiting our YouTube channel. The people of Redlands First United Methodist Church are happy to share this part of our worship life with you. We are a vibrant and growing community of faith. Our vision is to be an invitational, nurturing, and inclusive church. Through our common life, we are committed to helping people grow in the love of God and follow Jesus' way of self-giving love. We hope you experience the fullness of God's grace as you watch this sermon. This morning's epistle reading comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 4b through 14. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For this sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, 
if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. Well, friends, I think we need to breathe again. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. With everything that happened this week, you may feel like it's been 30 days since we gathered for worship. Every day there was something, something that dominated the news cycle, something different. In some cases, something pretty earth-shaking. Not just nationally, but locally. Maybe in our own church, maybe in your own life. And we've gotten used to, in, 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 COVID, uh, in COVID time, uh, things not being quite normal, things not being quite what we expect, kind of learning to roll with, uh, roll with the punches, as the expression goes. But there have been times during, even during this seven months now, that have been worse than others. And, and I don't know, it feels to me like maybe this week was the worst week of all. It's been hard sometimes to just simply stop. To seek where God is present even in the midst of the maelstrom. To stop and listen for the sound of God's voice. To listen for the sound of the Holy Spirit blowing through our lives. To stop and listen and breathe. To just breathe. It's in times like this where we stop and take stock and we realize that a lot of the things in our, our life, in our world, in our culture, in our churches, in our communities, in our families that we have taken for granted just assumed that they would always be there and that they would always be there in the shape and form that we expect, now these norms are beginning to wobble or the wheels are coming off or they just are broken down. And the norms are, the norms are so much an important part of our life because they give, they give shape to our experience 
They help us uh, maintain a, a view of the world that, that makes sense. And yet so many of these norms have been so dramatically shaken, certainly over these last seven months, but even this week, there were certain norms about discourse and about campaigning and about our politics that have been so deeply shaken. It's left a lot of people feeling very disconcerted, very angry, very uncertain about the future. Friends, in moments like these, when we feel as though our view of the world and maybe even our, the, our view of ourself has been so terribly shaken, it's important to remember how God's Spirit works, how the risen Christ is present to work through these shaking times, to work through these moments when paradigms are, are broken, to embrace something new, to live into a new possibility. Paul's life, and, I, and we kind of gave a preview of this last week, Paul's life gives us some insight into this. Paul's own witness, Paul's own experience of Christ can become a, a touchstone for us. They can, it, it can become a beacon for us. You know, Paul's life was turned upside down in an instant. This is recorded in the, the, um, the Acts of the Apostles. But Paul, before he was Paul, remember, was Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee. Saul of Tarsus was a Roman citizen. Saul of Tarsus, the, the closest approximation from our own experience we could say, uh, Saul of Tarsus was the chief priest's fair-haired boy. Saul of Tarsus was one of the preeminent persecutors of the early church. Saul of Tarsus stood by and held the, the cloaks of those who stoned Stephen to death. Saul of Tarsus was on his way to Damascus with letters to imprison followers of Jesus, to cart them back to Jerusalem, imprison them, probably beat them, maybe even kill them. Saul of Tarsus was that, was that man. And see, Saul of Tarsus had everything, by all rights, he had everything going for him. From the right tribe in Israel, he had the right education, he had the right connections, he had everything going for him. He had the political, spiritual, and social pedigree. He was the it person. And then he met Jesus. And everything began to change. It did change, but that was only the beginning. Over the rest of his life, Paul saw something in that experience when he met Jesus. 
when he began to understand that Jesus was not the threat to Israel that so many told him that he was, but that rather Jesus became a new embodiment, a new fulfillment of the covenant, a new fulfillment of the law and the grace, the promise, the possibility and the life of God built into this beloved community. Paul's life was different. Everything that he had known previous, I mean, not only did it slow down, the wheels wobble, it stopped, the whole thing fell apart. And Paul's own words are so telling. Paul comes to this faith and this hope and this, this, this life and this possibility in Christ with a confidence that is incredibly unshakable in spite of Paul being shipwrecked and imprisoned and mistrusted and beaten and eventually executed. His confidence in the promise that's represented in the, the life and the ministry, the death and the resurrection of, of, of Christ is unshakable. This new paradigm versus the old paradigm Paul sees as the way. And so much has his life changed. He looks at his previous life and all of the things that mattered, all of the paradigms, all of the assumptions, all of the ways of looking at the world as worth nothing compared to having met Christ and knowing Christ and living the life and living the hope and living the possibility that is experienced when life-giving, self-giving, community-empowering life and love is shared. And what's more, he says, all of that stuff before? Rubbish. It's garbage. It's refuge. All of those things that, that led to brokenness and pain and suffering and separation and mistrust and anger and jealousy and all that went around with that. That way of viewing the world is rubbish. The superior way to view the world comes through the life and also the death and the resurrection of Christ. Because you see, Paul looks at the cross differently Instead of an instrument of torture, instead of an instrument that allowed people like him previously to accomplish their ends, their political ends, or their spiritual ends, or their social ends, he sees the cross in a very different way. And because he sees the cross in a different way, he sees himself and he sees the world in a different way. The cross becomes the fulfillment, the fullest flower, the apex of self-giving love. When Jesus says, greater love has no one than to lay down one's life for one's friends, and here, let me show you what it looks like. And Paul takes on this life. He takes on death to self. He takes on the loss 
and, and the, the suffering of standing against those who would seek to uh, build a system of abuse and power that, that only degrades humanity, that leads to indignity rather than dignity. Paul is willing to stand in the gap against all of the abuse that people like him used to pile on. Because he sees that as the gateway forward. To live the kingdom of God, to live the beloved community, to live where we build and restore life and dignity and possibility to others, Paul is willing to step in and do this work. And he's under no illusions of how easy it might be to do this. He says, I, you know, even though by this point, probably very near the end of his life, he, he is not saying that he's there. He hasn't, he isn't bragging about anything that he's achieved because he knows that he could probably live five lifetimes and still not necessarily be any closer to it than he is at that moment. But he says, I press on. I press on. Even though he's facing imprisonment, probably been beaten, and likely facing execution soon, he still presses on. He presses on to share this witness, to share his life, to share his confidence, to share his faith, to share his hope. And now, today, October 4th, 2020, with the kind of week that we've had, with the kind of seven months that we've had, with the, what, we, what seems like months and years of degradation to, to reach this point of crisis, Paul presses on and he calls the Philippian church and he calls us to press on. To see the world as he sees it. To see the world, to see the cross, to see ourselves, to see the church with new eyes, with new learning, with a new way of knowing, with a new confidence that even though right now in this moment we feel beaten down and we feel worn down and we're ready to just say, can this be over? Can it be 2021? Can we have a vaccine? Can we go back to normal? Can we fall asleep and wake up when it's all over? Have you been there? What day is it? Yeah, we've been there. We've been there because it weighs so much. And yet, the hope that Paul gives us is that when we are willing to walk that path, when we're willing to see ourselves and our world through the self-giving love of Christ, when we're willing to see the cross in a different way, when we're willing to do these things, something life-giving will happen. It may just be tender green shoots right now. 
but a tree will grow and it will bear fruit. And this fruit will feed the world. There will be a restoration of sanity. There will be a restoration of hope. There will be a renewal of dignity. There will be a reclamation of community. In some respects today, it it feels a lot like how the prophets, whether it was Isaiah or Jeremiah or Micah or Amos, calls for justice and images of restoration for a people who suffer through exile. Though we may feel right now in this moment exiled from everything that once made sense, just as God restored the people of Israel to a time of faith and a time of community centuries ago, I am confident, I am convinced that when the church, when the community of faith, when the the people who are embraced and embrace self-giving love stand up and share that witness with courage and confidence, we will see our way by the grace of God, through this time of exile that we feel right now. Friends, breathe. Breathe in the Spirit of God and breathe out peace and love and hope. Amen. Thanks again for visiting our channel. If this was a meaningful experience for you, please feel free to share it with others. If you're in the greater Redlands area, please join us for 9.30 worship. We would love to welcome you. Thanks for joining us for this sermon from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I hope you've been encouraged. If you are interested in being part of our worship experience during this time of physical separation, Please join us at 9.30 a.m. Sunday, Pacific Time, on our YouTube channel, Redlands First UMC. That's Redlands, F-I-R-S-T-U-M-C.